Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Harabedian, recorded live at Eagle Heart Ministries. Seven deadly diseases of the tongue. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about seven deadly diseases of the tongue, and they are. Drum roll, please. Murmuring and complaining. Gossip. Excessive talking. Idle or careless words. Flattery. Hastiness in speech. And number seven. playground. The Bible has much to say concerning the power of our own words. Jesus said, I tell you the truth on the day of judgment. Men will render account for every careless word they have spoken. Say every, every. Careless, word. careless word I have spoken. I will give an account for. On the day of judgment. Therefore, tonight, I repent. So I don't have to be judged. I judge myself. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, for your, by your words, Jesus said, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, that's the Revised Standard Version. We're going to be using some different versions that really highlight the emphasis of foot and mouth disease. Proverbs echoes this by saying, in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James, the brother of Jesus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words with his first century ink pen. James 3.6, New International Version. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts, the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by H-E double toothpicks. Hell. These are strong words. If the Bible speaks repeatedly, redundantly, over and over, again and again, time after time, one passage after another, throughout the 66 books of the Bible, the completed canon, about the subject of our tongues, including the possibility of its misuse causing us to miss heaven. That means go to hell. That was a politically correct way of saying it. You miss heaven! It's kind of like the guy who's on the flying trapeze. He does the triple flip, and the other guy comes, and he misses. It's kind of like the guy who's walking the tightrope, and he misses a step. He just missed one. It's no big deal. He's over the Grand Canyon. It's not a big deal could cause us to miss heaven. 
alternative. Point to ponder. Okay. And last week, we taught on no one goes to hell by accident. No, we were on the seven leavens. But this was a strong message. Amen. What in hell do you want? Okay. Okay. Since the misuse of our tongue could cause us to miss heaven, I believe it's worth our time to delve deeper into this often overlooked matter of the mouth. There are at least seven, say at least seven. At least seven. Probably more. <laughs> there are at least seven deadly diseases of the tongue identified in Scripture. As we study them together, let's remain open to the Holy Spirit's conviction so that we can run to the cross if necessary and be set free. Receiving from the Lord in its place a wholesome tongue that is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4 The illustration I just got was when I was young and I said some well-placed expletives not even knowing what they meant at the time. Whoa. And my mother said, if you say that again, I will wash your mouth out with soap. How many have heard that before? How many had a loving mother or parent figure? I actually saw my mother do it to my sister. I remember it. I'm still trying to get delivered from the trauma of that incident, being a bystander looking on. But I will say this. I learned to clean up my mouth when she was in the bathroom washing her hands, knowing that it was just that quick. Pop it right in the mouth. I think she made my sister actually bite off a piece. It was... Uh, with some good, good parenting. Nowadays, I think they throw you in jail for it. But my sister turned out good. Maybe we should, you know, utilize some good wisdom on these matters. You know, I remember one time I was in the dining hall and there was a man who had a filthy mouth. Which I know that you wouldn't believe that in a prison setting anybody would have bad language. Live 20 years of it. Come out, see how you do. But uh, as this person was just unnecessarily, it was just his language. It was just, but I'm sure he was demonically influenced because he just was so bitter and it was just blah, 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 blah. Just every other word was just, you know, either four or seven letters, you know. Like, like love, I think it was one of the words. Or, okay, so, so um, there was a Christian guy and he turned to him and he said, you don't mind if I ask you a question, do you? The man looked at him and he says, well, he says, you don't by chance eat with the same mouth you talk with. Oh. <laughs> and he just looked at him and the, the guy, but you know what? The guy instantly cleaned up his language. Wow. Sure. See, because you do have that ability. You know how I know you have the ability? Because you can have bad language. The pastor walks in. You stop cussing. There are certain people that you won't cuss around. That's how I know you have the ability to change. 
Tell the truth, shame the devil. Okay. At the end of our teaching tonight, our study time, our fellowship, our koinonia together, we are going to have an opportunity to perform a quick checkup from the neck up to see if we need healing from one or more of the seven deadly, say deadly, diseases of the tongue. Number one, murmuring and complaining. Numbers chapter 14 verse 2, it's a wonderful passage. See, the children of Israel were invited out of bondage and into liberty. God delivers them out from under the hand of Pharaoh, out from under the hand of slavery, and He brings them out with mighty outstretched arm, and they are going to leave Egypt and go into the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, and God promised them, I will take you out that I might bring you into the land that I promised you. So between the land of bondage and the land of liberty and freedom, there's a space of land that's about an 11 mile, 11 day walk. It's 11 days. 11 days. But it takes them 40 years. When God brings you out from under the bondage of slavery to sin, out from under Pharaoh's hand, He delivers you out that He might bring you into the land that He promised you. It's really not that long of a walk. But some of us never make it out of the wilderness. Eating the same manna, the daily bread, on barely get by street. How many ways can you cook manna? Fried? Baked? Poached? Raw? Boiled? Salted? I mean, manna can get boring even though it's angel's food. You know... You can eat steak every night and get bored of it. It's about variety. Variety is the spice of life. Well, angels' food was manna, and God provided it for them. But here's the thing. In their delay, coming out from under Pharaoh's hand and getting into the land of promise, they were in that place called the wilderness where God gets the wild in us out. Anybody been in the wilderness where God's getting the wild in us out? And sometimes when the wild in us is getting out, before we get into the land of promise, we have a tendency to say, man, we were better off in Egypt. Oh, I know. I know. i got to make bricks if I go back there working those 12-hour days, six days a week. But at least the pots of meat, the boils, the leeks, the onions, they're provided. At least I know what time i got to get up, what time i got to go to bed. How many hours I got to work? How many bricks I got to make? It's structured. At least I know. The devil I know might be better than the devil I don't. But see, that's really what happens. And here's what happens. We have a tendency to go back to that which is comfortable. Even though it's miserable. That's why abused women go back to abusers. That's why when somebody comes off alcohol or drugs, they have something happen in life, it triggers something, they return right back to that false comforter. You know it, you know it, you know it. We need to stand around each other in those tough times and say, you know what? We're not going back. I'm not letting you. You're going forward. Come with me. We're going into Canaan land. Murmuring and complaining. The first disease of the tongue. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. 
They all murmured against Moses and Aaron. How many of them were there? Somewhere between two to three million. Whoa. Now, if you ever get in a stadium where it's a National Football League stadium and it seats 60, 70, 80,000 people, Kansas City Chiefs have one of the loudest fan bases in the entire 32 teams of the NFL. They're known for their loudness, right? On the, the sound scale, they're tops. Now, that's just 70,000 to watch a team primarily lose each game. Okay? Now, can, I'm just keeping it real, okay? I'm from Kansas City. I can say that. I mean, the stats don't lie. What were we, 2-14 and 14 last year? We're going to get better this year. And to make sure we do, we raise the ticket prices again. Okay? Okay. I think that might have been murmuring and complaining. Huh? <laughs> We're going to get better by faith. We're winning the Super Bowl this year, just like when Big Len Dawson brought us in in 1970. It's going to be a repeat. Yes, yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. 43, 44 years later, we're going to do it again. Confess it. Blab it to grab it. <laughs> anyway. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Now, here's the interesting part about this, and we're going to park here for a second. Here's why. This is a very important one. Murmuring and complaining actually keeps us out of the promises of God. It causes us to be double-minded. Amen. And all the con congregation lifted up their voice, Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, and cried, and all the people wept that night, and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain. We don't need you, Moses. And let us return unto Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, tore their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land." and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only please people, three million people, do not rebel against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not, because there were giants on the land. See, when you get to looking at your abilities, that's when you start to lose the battle. Because fear sets in. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Right on, right on. Fear is false evidence appearing real. But when God is with you, you don't look at the size of the giant and say, that guy's too big to hit, man. You look at the giant, you compare him to your God, you say, man, that giant's too big to miss. I can't miss him, he's too big. That's a big target. Because you know, when you got the anointing on you, he's fallen. When God is with you. Okay, here's what happened. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, gave a good report. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
The ten other spies gave an evil report saying, we can't attack these people, they're stronger than we are. Scripture says these ten spies brought back what the Bible refers to as an evil report. What kind of report are you bringing back about matters? Because your words will literally infect others. It will either infect them with faith and cause them to be overcomers or infect them with doubt. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the Word of God and hearing by the Word of God. Well, if faith cometh, that means faith can goeth. Right? Faith cometh, that means faith can goeth. Does that mean faith has legs? I don't know. But it moves. And it moves with the Word of God. So if faith cometh by hearing, how does doubt come? By hearing as well. So what happens is if you're going to doubt anything, doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts and believe God. When doubts come, just say, you know what, thank you, devil. I appreciate that. I doubt them. Word of God comes in, I agree with that. That's God. Wow, what about this? Well, thank you for that doubt. I doubt it. But I believe God. Doubt your doubts. Believe God. Pretty simple, isn't it? The battlefield is the mind. Okay. So here's what happens. The scripture says the ten spies brought an evil report that spread through the congregation of the Israelites, causing them to murmur against Moses and against Aaron. When somebody in the congregation gives you an evil report and something hasn't come to pass and you begin to murmur and complain against God or against those that God has appointed in the congregation as elders or overseers or whatever it is, don't speak evil against your leadership. That's right, brother. Because when you do, you speak evil against God because He's put them in order. Don't even speak evil against your government officials when they're wrong. Do you know why? We're to pray for them. And by the way, the Apostle Paul said that in a time when they were cutting off Christians' heads and putting them on stakes and lighting them on fires when he wrote those passages by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You talk about calling things which be not as though they are. Calling them into existence. That's a faith confession if anybody can write, submit to the authorities for there's no authority given except that which is given by God. And they bear not the sword in vain. They are here for your good. Romans 13, 1-3. If he wrote that in a time when he's about to get martyred, my goodness, he kept his faith confession in line with the will of God. And guess what? They may have martyred him, but man, he's got some rewards in heaven. And the ones that martyred him may have got away with it in the moment, but I bet they're paying for it. Amen. Amen or ouch. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah, heretic. Okay, this murmuring from the host of the Israelites reached God's ears in heaven. And here's what I want you to hear. Numbers chapter 14, verses 27, New International Version. God responded, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Remember what Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned, Matthew 12, 37. Remember the words from Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. Listen to what God said in reply to the murmuring and the complaining that had reached His ears. Moses, go tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to them the very things I heard them say. In this desert, your bodies will fail, every one of you 20 years 
or older that was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home because of your words against me. Except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Numbers 14, 28 through 30. I'm going to read it again in the NIV. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say in this desert your bodies will fail. Do you know why I believe God does that? Because we receive the promises by faith. And if we changed God's nature into something other than His nature, we've switched God's with our mouths. Because how are you saved? By faith. Through grace. How do you get saved? If we confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. For it is with the mouth confession is made and with the heart man believes unto salvation. So, you can tell what a person believes by what comes out of their mouth. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth reverberates and speaks. So if you want to know what a person believes, listens to what they say, and you'll know. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Their murmuring and complaining words caused their own destruction. Scripture records that every seven deadly diseases of the tongue. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're just on disease one. Their words caused their own destruction. Scripture records that every one of the murmuring Israelites over age 20 died in the wilderness and never entered the land God Himself had promised to give them. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17. This is so important. Hebrews chapter 3. See, we think that everything's just automatic. We have a part in it. Without God, we cannot. And without us, He will not. He's looking for somebody to partner on the earth. We lay hands on the sick. He heals them. We preach the gospel. He saves them. We speak in agreement with Him on matters and then it's done in earth as it is in heaven. Now I'm not talking about confessing things and trying to bring Him into existence that are contrary to the will of God. Or contrary to the timing of God. You see the difference? That's not, that's not faith confession. That's soul confession trying to be your own God, trying to manipulate circumstances, and if you're not careful, you'll begin to operate in what I refer to as Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft. Putting your own will into the matter instead of the will of God. The thing is, we need to align with God, hear His voice, repeat what He says, that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. Not try to twist God's arm and manipulate Him trying to rest or twist some verses to force Him to do something because He's not moved by that. He's seen people try it for 6,000 years. He'll outlive you on this one. It's easier just to repent, change, get into alignment with God, and now you got somebody that's powerful to back you on the matters instead of you trying to back yourself and claim you've got Him behind you. Most of the stuff that people claim 
I'm shocked. I'm like, where's that in the Word? <laughs> well, brother, I, 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 you know, I, I heard, heard, heard the voice of the Lord. And I'm like, well, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's not the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of your own flesh. It's the voice of your own soul. It's the voice of a demon. Oh, you're not going to steal my faith. I'm not stealing your faith. I'm trying to steal what the devil has implanted in you that you think is faith, which is a lie. And all... Don't get me started. I have people call me on the phone to agree with them in prayer on matters. I'm like, oh, stop right there. Can I get a little more information? I begin to delve off into more, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't come into agreement in prayer with you. That's sin. You know, I remember one time, this is a true story. Guy says, well, he says, I, yeah, I just believe, you know, the Lord told me I'm supposed to be married to so-and-so. And I want you to agree with me in prayer and, you know, this and that. I'm like, great. I'm like, isn't she married? He said, well, well, yeah, but not for long. I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You want me to agree with you in prayer that God will break up a marriage when God hates divorce so He can give you another man's wife. I'm like, you need to repent. Yeah. Well, you're just, you're just not going to agree with me in prayer. I see that right now. No, you already got the devil agreeing with you. Yes, sir. Oh. Yes, sir. But people do that kind of stuff. Wow. And you ask them, where is that in the Word? Well, brother, <laughs> you know what it says in Second Illusion 714. <laughs> like, really? Illusions, contusions. Illusions will lead to some contusions. I'm messing with somebody else's wife. Okay. Okay, here it is. We're having fun tonight, aren't we? Okay, okay, we're having fun. Okay, so in Hebrews 3.17, by the way, people are, well, David, that's Old Testament. Well, let me quote something from the New to satisfy your hermeneutics. Hebrews 3.17. But with whom was God grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? Now first he swears to them, I'm going to let you enter into my rest, and I'm going to take you into the land of Canaan. But they reversed the blessing into a curse with their mouth. How many blessings have you reversed into a curse with your mouth? The good news is we can repent tonight. You know what repent means? It means about face. 180 degrees. It means I was walking this way. 180 degrees the other direction. I'm going to flip from what I was confessing to get back in the line with what he says about the matter. And I'm going to break ties with a negative confession. And if you think about this. If you've got a negative confession, how's it working for you? Hmm. You happy? <laughs> you know what? It's like people with a negative confession, you start to confess something positive around them, it'll like ricochet off of them. They'll go right back to a negative confession. You say it a second time, they're like, it's like they're so far going the other direction, you literally got to lasso them with a positive confession and pull them back. And about the time you get them to agree with you, they'll ricochet. It's like they got muscle memory in their mouth. Muscle memory. Muscle memory in the mouth. They remember the wrong thing. Wow. And 
you know, you'll get around them long enough and here's what will happen. You'll either start agreeing with them or they'll start agreeing with you. But both of you aren't going to have that standoff for too long before one of you starts to yield. And I'll eventually tell a person when they text message me, whining, complaining, murmuring, backbiting, gossip, got all the diseases, I'll pull out the blood of Jesus in one text message, uh, flash it over to them, yeah, yeah. and if they duck the blood instead of embrace it, I write wrong number. Cut them off. Oh, David, that's not nice. I'm trying to stay saved. Okay? I'm trying to stay in faith. You know, if I got up on the table and I tried to lift you up and you tried to pull me down, you'd probably win. Unless you wanted to get up on the table, then I could help you. But if you didn't want to get up, I can't force you up the mountain of truth. But you can pull me down. The Apostle Paul says, Mark them which cause divisions among you and avoid them. I knew a guy in prison. He'd be preaching the Word. Somebody would come up and say something contrary. He'd say, nope. They'd say it again. He'd say, nope, that's not what the Word says. The Word says this. Say it a third time. He'd be like, that's it. You're marked and avoided. Uh... Now, I'm not saying he was right in the way he did it. He had kind of a legalistic spirit. But he was quick to mark and avoid people. I think it's Romans 16, 18, I think. Anyway, so some people you've got to mark and avoid. You've got to delete them out of your electronic phone book. You've got to send them to the silent mode. You've got to let them leave a message. And you know what? Most of the time they won't. Bam. What? Bam. Most of the time they won't even leave a voice message. Which means they really weren't looking for anything really. They're just looking for... You don't get paid 100 an hour to listen to them. Let them go get some insurance and do a copay for somebody to listen to that stuff. Because those people ain't going to help them either. That's right, bro. You know it. And most of them, think about it. Highest, one of the highest suicide rates is psychiatrist. And you're going to go to them for help? I mean, explain that to me. Now, I'm not against psychiatrists and psychologists. Because there's some good Christian ones that will bring you in line with the Word. But think about that. Wow. Yeah, we're going to go submit under their pastoral authority. <laughs> well, you just need to get a hold of your feminine side. When I get married, I will. <laughs> Till then, I ain't got a feminine side. I'm man. Yeah. He's <laughs> some weird doctrines. <laughs> so listen to the rest of this. We're still on murmuring and complaining, then we're going to speed up. Okay. Verse 19, 3.19, Hebrews 3.19, and then we're going to go into 4.1. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Why couldn't they enter in? Say unbelief. And how did we know they didn't believe? Because the confession of their mouth was not in line with God. 4.1. Let us, therefore... Okay, first it's talking about them. Old Testament. Now it's talking about us. New Testament. You see the transition? Well, David... Are you sure the Old Testament applies? I don't know. He's talking about it in the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. Okay, practical application. Let us, therefore... Why does he say therefore? Because it's there for a reason. We just went to it. Let us, therefore, fear lest a promise being left to us of entering into the rest of God, any of you should seem to come short of it. New Testament born-again 
fire baptized, Holy Ghost, tongue talking Christian. Verse 2 For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Us, them. But the word preached to them did not profit them because it was not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. How does faith come? By hearing. How will they hear unless a preacher is sent? Here the word was preached, a preacher was sent. Here they heard it, but they didn't mix it with belief. Verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Mm. So all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Will you stay in Him? Yeah. I'm not talking about a salvation issue here. You're born again, you're saved by faith, through grace, not of works, lest any man could boast. It's a free gift of God. So you can waver in your confession. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about obtaining the promises. Getting out of Pharaoh's hand, getting through the wilderness and moving on into the land of promise. Wouldn't you like the milk and honey promises of God? Wouldn't you like to have homes and inhabit those that you did not build it and vineyards that you did not plant? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to see a great transference of wealth where it just drops into your lap? Well, guess what? It can happen because it's the promise of God. But we need to align our mouths with God's mouth the way He's already spoken it in His Word. You want to know what the will of God is? It's right here. And then He'll speak to you a personal will on a matter. And it will line up with the written will. And people sometimes say to me, well, David, how do you know if it's God speaking? Did it line up with this? I don't know. I've never read the Bible. Okay, well, here, get some CDs. Listen, you know. Get, get the Bible in you and then you'll be able to recognize the voice when you hear it. There was a man that had met a girl and that girl called him on the phone. And her name was Heather. And so he had met her. Here she finally calls and he's talking to her for 30 minutes. He set up the date. Everything's good. She said something that piqued his interest. He, had, he delved into it a little more and he found out that it's the wrong Heather he just got a date with. <laughs> See, if you don't know their voice, they can tell you their name, they could be anybody. But here's what happened, and this is not, not my situation, but eventually you might not know the person's voice, but you spend time with them you'll be able to pick out their voice out of a crowd of people like that. If you've been married to your spouse for years, when she picks up the phone and calls you, and I'm not talking about seeing on your cell phone the picture of you two together and her smiling with the flowers you bought her. Okay, I'm not talking about that kind of recognition that we have nowadays. Thank God for it. But I'm talking about when she calls and you pick up the phone and you say hello, and she just breathes. You know it's her. Well, 
the way she sighs, the way... And you know she's getting ready to say something. You're like, honey, what, what's, what's wrong? You know it's her because that's how intimate you've become with her because you spend time together. You want to know the Lord's voice? Spend time with Him. Amen? Okay, praise the Lord. Disease number one, murmuring or complaining, can prove fatal to the whole body if not dealt with. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James 3.6 Now realizing the seriousness of the first disease of the tongue, let's take a look at the other six and then head towards the checkup center for diagnosis, cleansing, and healing. Disease number two, gossip. Leviticus 19.16 Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer or a gossip among your people. Proverbs 18.8 The words of a gossip are like tasty bits of food. People like to gobble them up. Inquirer magazine. Why does it sell? People love to get all that juice. Have you ever been clicking around on the internet and all of a sudden something comes up and it's a gossip story? There's something about it. That makes you want to click. <laughs> you know, I'm even, I'm like searching around for something Christian. You know, I've got to get a verse or I've got to get a blog for an article, and something will come up. I'll be like, really? I'll slide my mouse over. What are you doing? What? What? That's a gossip spirit. Even if it's true, it doesn't matter. Amen. Amen. Are you an intercessor? Is that why you're looking on the gossip column so you can intercede for them? <laughs> what are you doing, brother? Well, the reason... I had a woman tell me one time. I said, why do you watch, you know, Sally Jesse Raphael and Jerry Springer and, and all these shows? She says, well, the Lord's given me a ministry of intercession. And, uh, and you know, when I watch those shows, I, you know, I know how to pray for those people because there's not a lot of people praying for them. I'm like, Really? I said, let me think about that one. She ends up divorcing her husband and doing a Jerry Springer thing. Damn. I don't, I don't know that that's good intercession. See, whatever you listen to, you'll become more like. The Bible says bad company corrupts good manners. Bad company corrupts... Bad conversation corrupts good morals. Different Absolutely. translations. Absolutely. Be careful who you hang around. You might become like them. Mm. You know, you hang around Christians that are anointed, that have the power of the Holy Spirit on them, that walk in true faith. You hang around them, your life will change over a period of time. You'll start getting healed, delivered, set free. You'll have this thing called J-O-Y come into your life. <laughs> Where you put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last? True, true. Gossip. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by fair and flattering words they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. Romans 16, 18. The Apostle Paul speaks much of people saying, huh, here it is, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Mark or Romans 16, 17. A tongue diseased with gossip brings wounds to others. 
it hurts people, but a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4 He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he that repeateth a matter by gossip separates friends. Proverbs 17.9 When Jesus met the woman at the well, he told her she'd had five husbands, and the man she was with was not her husband. John 4.18 He addressed her sin and led her to the path of forgiveness. Notice that nowhere in Scripture do we see Jesus telling others of this woman's sin. Well, so-and-so, you know, got saved last night. Let me tell you the sins they were in. <laughs> or so-and-so came and repented about this and that. You wouldn't believe what they did. What? That's sacred. Before the throne of God, the altar of God, the blood of Jesus cleanses them from sin, and He takes the sin that they confessed in the light of His presence and he cast it as far as the east is from the west in the sea of forgetfulness. And he puts up a sign that says, no fishing. Hallelujah. And you're going to drag that out and share it with somebody? Mm. Mm. That's gossip. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and you're ministering? No wonder people don't trust you. Let me tell you what. If you gossip to somebody about somebody else's stuff, no. You think they're going to tell you anything? That's right. No. That's, right. <laughs> that stuff's sacred. I've had people come to me that shared things with me. We went before the altar. We got them right before the Lord. They backslid. They turned on me, slandered me, backbit me. And you know what? I could have used that information against them. I never did. You know why? That wasn't my right. It wasn't my privilege. That wasn't a weapon in my arsenal to defend myself against a slander and a backbiter. You know it. You know it. That would be a violation of covenant. Amen. Just because they violate it doesn't mean you can. Amen. You cover their sin. You know what I had? They would come to me two, three years later after they'd been on a slander session. And they would come to me after they finally repented and come back to the cross. They'd be like, you know, I didn't agree with you doctrinally. I thought you were a heretic. I, you know, I thought you'd manipulated me on this or that, or on this tongues thing, or. Uh, but one thing I could never deny: you never told them about what I told you about. You could have filleted me. You could have character assassinated me. You could, and you would have been justified. But you never misused the information I gave you that day that I repented and told you about my sin. You never told people what I was into. And it used to bother me when I'd go to bed at night. I was afraid you'd tell people, but you never did. And they repented. They may not repent today. They may not repent tomorrow. Who knows? They not, may not repent that you know of it. But it's not your right to tell their story. Always. Amen? So if you don't gossip, God will cover you when they slander you. And if you sow mercy... You'll reap mercy. If you cover your brother's sin, God will cover yours and allow it to remain between you and him until you get that thing right and you have space to repent. But I'm going to tell you something. Have you ever known a minister that goes around slandering other ministers? When they fall, it's like a piranha school. It's crazy. But the man who always covers people's sin, when he gets caught up in something, there's a lot of mercy and grace on him. And people say, you know what? That man may have fallen or made a mistake, but he was so merciful. If you sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. Remember this. 
When you climb up the ladder of success in life, don't get arrogant or proud. And don't climb up stepping on people's toes to get there. Because the very same toes that are attached to those feet are attached to the ankles that are attached to the calves that are attached to the thighs that are attached to another area of the body. That if you fall, you'll have to come by that too. Okay. Word picture. A tongue that is diseased... Listen to this. Notice that nowhere in Scripture do we see Jesus telling others of this woman's sin. Instead, she was set free and brought others by her own testimony to Jesus for salvation, the woman at the well. Amen. When you cover people's sin, they'll go tell others about Jesus. Amen. A tongue that is diseased with gossip not only separates friends, but also brings deep wounds to others. The Apostle Paul admonishes us to mark such people and avoid them. Do not even listen to their gossip. Because if you grin, you're in. Wow. If you grin, you're in. Wow. Sometimes you got to repent for grinning. Amen. Sometimes I'll get a text message. I'll be like, "That's kind of funny." I'll be like, "I'll repent." <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> uh, bad. <laughs> Two types of people in the body of Christ: those that are in the ministry of intercession. Jesus forever liveth to make intercession for those that come to God by Him, twenty-four-seven. He's interceding, right? Wow. Guess who He's interceding through? The body of Christ, you. He's looking for somebody to agree with on the earth. Amen. Right? Then there's another ministry that goes on before the throne of God, day and night, 24-7, the ministry of accusation by the devil. And the accuser of our brethren was cast down who accused the saints of God before the throne of God, day and night. Now wait a second. How did he get access to the throne? He had to get access through somebody who had access. He's looking for a few good men and women. So if you can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need, you have free access. How did the devil get access unless he had it through you to accuse? Point to ponder. What ministry are you in with your tongue? Is it the ministry of intercession to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness lest you too are tempted? Or is it the ministry of accusation accusing your brother with darts and arrows and javelins? Say law. Pause and reflect. Number three, excessive talking. I might be doing a little of that tonight. Or maybe not enough. We will be here till the message gets into our hearts. So open up. We'll, be, we'll get it in. We'll leave. Excessive talking, number three. If you talk a lot, you are sure to sin. If you are wise, you will keep quiet. Proverbs 10, 19, New Century Version. Abraham Lincoln said, Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. <laughs> Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open our mouths and remove all doubt. Oh, that's right. Man. <laughs> you know, here's what's funny about silence. Nobody can ever accuse you of saying the wrong thing if you don't say anything. Amen. What do you think about it? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> well, you know, you know, sometimes you're going to get asked some questions that you don't, you're not going to answer because it's a trap. Amen. There are questions that Jesus didn't answer. Amen. <laughs> okay, this has been true for me on more than one occasion as it relates to remaining silent. But I didn't. People may have thought I was a fool, 
But when I opened my mouth, I removed all doubt. I was. Okay? Okay, King Solomon was one of the wisest men in all of history. He wrote in Ecclesiastes about the disease of excessive talking. Ecclesiastes 5.2, New Century Version. Think before you speak and be careful what you say to God. God is in heaven and you're on earth. Jesus, I'll never deny you. Peter, you'll deny me thrice before the cock. Three, Three times before the, before the rooster crows. Not me, Lord. I'll be the last one to do that. Think before you speak and be careful what you say to God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so say only a few words to God. The saying is true. Bad dreams come from too much worrying and too many words come from foolish people. Wow. An old commercial used to say, when E.F. Hutton speaks... Everybody misses. See? There's, a, yeah, now we, there's like a couple of people that are old enough to remember that. We're not going to videotape the voices and with the faces. <laughs> But I remember that, and I'm that old. Okay? Remember, Moses didn't get started until he was 80, so don't get funny on me. Okay. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Why was that? E.F. Hutton had a reputation for not speaking unless he had something genuinely life-changing to say on the subject. He thought before he spoke, and therefore people were willing to listen to E.F. Hutton. Later, however, he began speaking before he'd studied the matter and went bankrupt. What? You don't hear about E.F. Hutton anymore, do you? <laughs> his motto was correct and based on biblical principles, but his tongue became potentially fatal to his business. A fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You guys will have to Google the E.F. Hutton thing. I don't know if that's accurate, but for illustration purposes. A fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until afterwards. Proverbs 29, 11. He, Herod, asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus gave no reply. See, Jesus never answered a person who was trying to trap him in his talk or had an accusatory question. But every time somebody came to learn with an inquisitive question, he always answered them. But accusatory, he didn't answer them. Or he spun them. Or he asked them a question. Mm -hmm. Well, should we pay taxes? Give to Caesar what's Caesar. Give to God what's God. They were trying to get him to be a non-taxpayer. Pay your taxes. And pay to God what's his. Herod spoke many words like a fool, but Jesus spoke few words and was resurrected three days later. You do the math. <laughs> Number four, idle or careless words. Matthew 12, 37, Living Bible Translation. And I tell you this, that you must give account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. Careless or idle words flow out of our mouths every day. Jesus says that we will have to give an account for each and every one of them. Now I'm going to say something. Women actually talk more than men. It's true. They do studies. Women have nine thoughts for every one man's. We're, we're designed differently. Okay, it's not wrong. It just is what it is. So, so now, you guys, you just had three thoughts. She just had 27. And in your heart, you know 25 of them were completely wrong. And that's where we start our relationship. <laughs> Okay, but here's the other thing. Guys, 
have a place in their mind that they can go where they're not thinking nothing. Women can't. Okay? So the woman says, what are you thinking? Nothing. Don't lie to me. What are you thinking? I'm thinking you're crazy. Right? Here's the thing. You don't have to give voice to every thought. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can certainly keep them from building a nest in your hair. And so, you ladies have more thoughts than men. And forgive us for not being able to keep up with you. We're, we may not be that smart. I don't know. But God made you to be able to multitask, to handle a milk bottle and a baby and the phone and to cook on the stove and to talk to your friend over the neighbors. I mean, you women are amazing with those brains. We like do two things and we're like stumbling. You know what? This is a true story. I, I saw Men's brain activity while multitasking is like all fired up red. Like we're doing two or three things. It's like completely on fire. Can we do it? Some men can't do more than one thing at once. Some people can do two. Some people can do three. But it like fires up all the cylinders in their brain activity. Women can be doing the same three things and it's just like a normal. <laughs> women are amazing. However, men, we don't understand women. I mean, it's just true. I, come on, 6,000 years? Nobody's written a book that makes sense? Did you hear about the guy? This is a joke, okay? He finds a genie bottle on the, on, 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 in, the, in the sand. And he's out, you know, and he like rubs it and a genie pops out. And this is not biblical, okay? So the genie pops out and the genie says... Oh, man, you got me. He says, okay, you got one wish. It's like, one wish? I thought it's three. He says, eh, inflation, crunched economy, bad deal. You got one. You want it or not? He's like, well, well, yeah. He says, okay. He says, well, you know, we're in California. He says, you know, I, I, I don't like flying. And he says, but I like to go to Hawaii. He says, can you build a super highway between California and the tip all the way to Hawaii? And the genie says, a super highway from here to Hawaii? Do you realize how much cement they have to go way down into the ocean? He says, can you think anything else? He says, well, yeah, I've you know, really always wanted to understand women. Genie says, you want that super highway four lanes or eight. <laughs> okay. Idle or careless words. Women, we love you. <laughs> Please love us back because we think differently. But together, we're better. And men, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within the voice of your wife. Because on spiritual matters, she's often hearing accurately. But we are such doers and fixers. We got this. Woman, you don't understand. No, there's just something that doesn't... It's a, I've got a... Fear not. I got this. The unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, we got this. We come back and we're like, man, it's just not working. What's, what's wrong, honey? Nothing. <laughs> Okay, does that balance this thing out? Okay. So we got to listen to the voice of the Lord operating through our wives. And then women, when your husband makes a mistake and he repents, support him through that. Don't beat him up. I told you so. Oh, shut up, Jezebel! We don't need you. 
That ain't the voice of the Holy Spirit this time. Job's wife. Curse God and die. Wait a second. That's the same thing that the devil said. Okay, do you see how powerful words are? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I want, to, I want to share something with you. When we say words flippantly or carelessly or not in a proper context or we just let them roll off our tongue, it's better to say nothing, nothing. than to say the wrong thing. Amen. When people are in a situation, don't just whip out 14 verses of Scripture. Well, brother, all things work together for good for those who love God that are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28. <laughs> you just need to memorize that verse and you'll be fine. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you just heard him with the word. The letter killeth, but the spirit brings life. How about this? Weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn. And how about this? When they tell you the situation, if you don't have the word of the Lord, why don't you say, Wow. I don't know what to say. You know, when you say, I don't know what to say, they're like, Wow, that's so refreshing. You finally don't have anything to say. <laughs> but it's refreshing when you don't have an answer because now they don't feel belittled because they don't have one either. And then you say, okay, well, you know, you, you hug them. You're like, I don't know what to... Let's pray and seek the Lord. And now when you pray and seek the Lord, you're like, Lord, we don't have any answers. You're the mighty God. You said if we come to you and ask wisdom and, and ask in faith believing, you'll give it to us liberally without finding fault. Lord, we don't know what to do. All of a sudden, a thought will come. Amen. You'll be like, wait a second. We need to call so-and-so. Let's pray a little more. Lord, if this is you, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, call. And you'll call so-and-so and they'll have the answer. Or God will say, this is what you need to do. Or change the... The, the ask in the email. Or, you need to repent. You need to humble yourself. Or, you know what? It's not her fault. It's yours. Mm. You know, you got to tell people sometimes. Well, she's, she's this and she's that and she's this and that and backbiting, tailbiting, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, she's probably born with angel wings until you bit them off. And... <laughs> and, and sometimes... We're the problem, not them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So instead of telling God about them, say, God, I don't know what to do. Is there something in me that's caused this? Is it something external that's hindering us? Is it something that's hindering them? Or is it a wait period? Am I in a test? Tell me. See, here's the thing. People say, oh, God won't test you. Sure he will. He won't tempt you. God won't tempt anyone, but he will test you. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Abraham, Abraham, now I know that you love God for you've not withheld your only son from me. Well, that was a test. God will test, but he won't tempt. Here's the good news. He'll never test you on anything that he hasn't already given you the information to pass. You don't get a test in school on the first day of class. You get it on the last day of class. The final, right? Well, if they gave you the final exam on the first day without the information, it wouldn't be fair. You're in class to learn. So God never tests you on something you haven't been given the information and the schooling to pass. The question is, have you been paying attention? Here's the other good news. It's an open book test. So when you don't know what to do, open the book. It's an open book test. And seek the answer. Okay. Jesus says that we'll have to give an account. 
So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, John 8.36. He can set you free from idle words. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Enough said? Flattery number five. Number five, flattery. Oh my gosh. Those who give false praise or flattery to their neighbors are setting a trap for them. Proverbs 29.5, New Century Version. The flattering tongue is an infectious disease. It infects the flatterer with manipulation and the one being flattered with false assurance and pride. We must remember there's a difference between flattery and compliments. Complimenting is good because it is based on truth. Jesus complimented many people on their faith, but he never flattered them. Amen. See the difference between flattery and compliments? Flattery is to build up false pride or false assurance in somebody to gain a position with them. Mm. Mm. Flattery is based upon the truth. Flattery is based beyond the truth. Well, that is a beautiful dress you're wearing. I have never in my whole life seen anybody look as you. I feel like an angel has fallen from heaven. <laughs> oh, miss me with that. Why don't you just tell you you look very nice today. That is a beautiful dress and move on. That's enough. The rest of it is beyond the truth. If she did fall from heaven, she's a fallen angel. Stay away from her. Okay, so flattery is based beyond the truth. It is filled with deceit and often comes with a hidden motive. A hidden motive to manipulate or gain something from the one being flattered. Psalms 12.3, the Lord will stop those flattering lips and cut off those bragging tongues. The flatterer is cousin to the accuser. If the flatterer can't get what he or she wants through deceitfulness of flattery, they will then resort to to accusation as an alternative. That's right. That's exactly right. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Hosanna in the highest. A week later, crucify him. <laughs> what? Yeah. You guys were with me last week. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Did I not heal? Did I, did I miss a healing? Yeah. What, are we out of fish and loaves? <laughs> okay. If the flatterer can't get you what he or she wants through the deceitfulness of flattery, they will resort to accusation as an alternative. The devil is known to both be the flatterer, Daniel 11.32, and the accuser, Revelation 12.10. God is referred to as neither. Who is your tongue yielded to? My God. Number six. Hastiness in speech. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. <coughs> Proverbs 29.20 He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18.13 I know that's right. People call me on the phone, they'll be like, David, well, you know this and that. I'm like, I got the answer. Here, just stop talking. I got that. Wait a second. Holy Spirit, listen. Then I get another piece of information. I'm like, whoa. Nope, that's not the answer. <laughs> Let me repeat. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? You see a pastor who's hasty in his words? You see a man who answers a matter before he hears it? There's more hope for a fool than for him. God's serious about hastiness in speech, isn't he? 
hear the matter out, even if they bore you. You want all the information before you give an answer. And then ask the Lord what the answer is. Otherwise, your tongue has been yielded to worldly wisdom that's earthly, soulish, and demonic, the book of James says. Hasty speech disease can trap us quicker than almost anything else can. Businessmen, listen to this. Proverbs 6.2 You are snared by the words of your mouth. You ever agreed to something before you heard the whole thing? You're like, man, I gave my word. Ooh, I wish I'd have read the fine print in that contract. I went and got a mobile phone. I didn't know it was a 28-year contract on that phone. They told, they told me it was 99 cents for the phone. Early termination fees, firstborn child. Okay, that's an exaggeration. You got to read that fine print. You're snared by the words of your mouth. Well, I'll give you this and that. Okay, I want it, I want it, I want it. Okay. How many times have we agreed to do something before praying about it? But it sounds good. All that glitters is not gold. People have charged, changed careers and moved their entire family because of hastiness in speech. Before they didn't pray about it. Many men and women are in prison today because they spoke hastily and agreed to take a little package across town for a friend. And it wasn't coffee beans from Juan Valdez, but it was from Columbia, South America. <laughs> Never be too quick to answer a matter, but rather seek the Lord for wisdom. Proverbs 25:11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 13.3. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James 1.19. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear. They give us, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use them in proportion. Got it? Okay. Makes sense. Okay. You know, I, I think that, you know, you could, God forbid, break an eardrum, you'd have another ear. I think we'd be good if maybe we didn't, okay, we only got one mouth, but sometimes it'd be good if it was broke for a while. <laughs> if we couldn't open it. You know, there's been people that have had their mouth wired shut because they broke their jaw. And they had to drink through straw. I'm not, but you know what they learned through that several weeks, they couldn't say much. They began to be able to communicate in other ways. And they became very kind people, many of them. And they began to realize that they really don't need to speak as much as they do. Sometimes monks will go on a talking fast. You know, you go on a food fast, you don't eat. When you go on a talking fast, you don't talk. And if you just try that for 24 hours, it's amazing. And after you've done it for a few weeks, I never have, but people that talk about it, they don't want to talk. And they're just shocked at how much stuff comes out of people's mouth. But it's better not to say anything than to say something. And Remember, you can't be judged for something you don't say. <laughs> what did he say? He didn't say anything. Well, you know. He should have. So we could trap him in his talk. Okay. 
Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James 1.19 Final disease that we're going to talk about tonight. Lying. Average person, statistically, that's not born again, tells 200 lies a day. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. 94% of all statistics are inaccurate. <laughs> Where do people get these statistics from? But, but I, I did read, 200 lies a day people tell on average. Let me give you an illustration. So where'd you graduate from high school? Well, I graduated. Oh, oh really? Did you play football? Yeah. Yeah. We almost won the state championship the year I was a senior. Yeah, I was all state. It's in this final game. And they begin to embellish the story just a little bit. They start to tell the story in a way that paints them in just a little better light. You women probably don't know what we're talking about. You had some cheerleader stories. The football story I'm telling. And people have... So how things go is people tell stories about a conversation they had with somebody. They'll not tell the whole truth. They'll leave things off. Each one is a little lie. Because it's motivated to put themselves in a better light and motivated to put somebody else in a less beneficial light. What do you make a year? People will lie to tell you they don't make as much because they don't want you to know that you've got money. People will lie to tell you they made more to make you feel like you're worth more. So, how much do you weigh? Look at a women's driver's license. There's a lot. Hold on. Women will go get their driver's license and they'll go to take the picture. Still 135? Uh, probably 140. Yep, yeah, yeah, you look 140. Okay, type it in. Police officer pulls the person over, reads that. They're used to it. Men's weights are accurate. Women's weights on driver's license? Now, I'm only talking about the non-Christians. Christian women never lie about their weight on the driver's license. And men never lie about their height. Men are always... You ever... You ever basketball players are tall, right? But have you ever read the roster? They're always like an inch to two inches taller than they actually are. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. I'll ask somebody after a game, but... I, are you really 6'7"? No, I'm 6'5". Why do they have you 6'7"? I don't know. They do that stuff. Why do people lie about that stuff? It's just like, it's marketing. Okay, the Lord detests lying lips. We've had fun tonight, haven't we? It's okay. It's been, it's been a palatable message, but God's going to take it. And He's going to begin to adjust us. Remember, you really don't have a tongue problem. It's a heart problem. Because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. But how do you know you have a heart problem? Because the checkup from the neck up reveals. Illustration, when doctors go to look at a patient, what's the first thing they tell them to stick out? Their tongue. Their tongue. Because the tongue tells a story. Well, it's dry, it's blue, it's clammy, it's pink, it's healthy. Well, you're, 
You look fine. They look at the tongue. When a person goes to buy a horse, what do they do? They look at the teeth and they look at the, the tongue. See, your tongue tells the health story. Physically. And your words off your tongue tell your health story spiritually. Amen. Lying. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. He also delights in women who are truthful. Amen. I had another illustration. I'm not going to give that one. Okay. Husband and wife are married. 30-year okay. anniversary. Uh-huh. So, come on, baby. Come on. She's going to buy dresses. And it is his pleasure to go with his wife while she shops. Okay. So here they are. They're shopping together. It's the 30th anniversary. She's going to buy a dress. And she's birthed three wonderful children for him. They're raised. They're out of college. They're married. They have grandchildren now. It's a wonderful, wonderful life. And she puts on the dress. And she says, Honey, does this dress make me look fat? Now, gentlemen, I'm going to give you some advice. This is not the time to say, Honey, it's not the dress that makes you look fat. This is the time to say, Dear, I don't know if that dress properly accentuates your lovely figure. For a woman that I'm more in love with today than I was 30 years ago when I married you, before you carried in your womb for nine months at a time our three wonderful children. And I have no eyes for any other woman than you. Whatever dress you want, is great for me because I love you. Okay. So there are times when you don't tell truth in a way that could hurt somebody, but you navigate around that with other truth, and we call that higher truth. Say higher truth. Okay. So let's get back to the line. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know how you can tell you're really backslidden is if you start lying. Here's where were we at? Uh, I, was, I wasn't there. What well, was your car parked outside the bar? No, my car. Really? Looked like it was your license plate. Somebody must have stole my car. I mean, it's like. I mean, and, and here's the thing. You tell one lie, you got to tell two to cover up that one. If you tell the truth, you don't have. To, even if you tell on yourself, yeah, it was me. Pray for me. You know what happens when you tell. Pray for me. Yeah, it was me. They're like, what were you doing there? I was just driving by. <laughs> I was coming back from a separate service uh, across town with uh, Bishop uh, Bishop uh, Bishop Elder uh, Prophet Apostle So and So. We're having a con con convocation. Um, we were on a consecration. Just coming off a 21-day fast myself. 
Amen. That's, I, I just had the eyes of the Lord like an eagle, and I, the Lord gave them to me. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'll be praying for you, brother. <laughs> okay. For, here's the thing. This lying spirit is a demon that if you yield to it and you start to agree with it, it will bring curses into your life. For outside the city of God are sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. When you start to listen to lies and you begin to love lies about people which falls into sometimes the gossiping or when the truth is right in front of people's eyes and they won't believe it because they love a lie it can put them in hell. It can put them in hell for eternity where the party's been canceled due to fire. Domino's Pizza don't deliver down there. No change of address labels at the post office. No, no appeals court. Eternity set. And you know, you can come to some people with the truth and they're like, I don't want to hear that. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made my decision. Yes, yes. You know what? You just need to let them go and go pray for them. And when somebody comes to you and you don't want to be confused with the facts, get unconfused and embrace the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man goes to the Father except by me. Jesus loves truth in the inmost parts. When we are in error, if we'll repent, turn from our error, and turn to the truth, He'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to tell you something. When you're in error or you've done something, it's like a ton of bricks comes off your shoulders when you come clean. Because God is back with you instead of standing against you. God resists the proud... But He gives more grace to the humble. God resists the unteachable, but He gives more grace to the teachable. He resists the proud, which are unteachable. He embraces or gives more grace to the humble, which are teachable. Isn't that good? We're closing. But it's just a little white lie, David. God says it's a fatal disease of the tongue. If not confronted and dealt with, it can bring destruction. Pretty harsh words. Jesus dealing with this issue with the religious folks of his day. You know, the churchgoers. Jesus said this. Loving Jesus. Little Lamb of God. Jesus is loved. He said... To the religious folks. You belong to your father the devil and you want to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning and he was against the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he shows what he really is like because he is a liar and the father of lies. Another translation, you are your father the devil who was a father of all lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. Basically, he told the religious folks, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the reason you won't receive me is because you have another father. Our father is Abraham. No, if your father was Abraham, you would have believed the things that he said on the one who was coming. We have Moses and the prophets. If you really had Moses and the prophets and read out of the scriptures what they say, you would embrace me because I fulfilled all 333 of the Old Testament prophecies about my coming. But because your father is really the devil who's the father of all lies and he was a murderer from the beginning when he got into Cain to slay Abel, 
He continues to murder today and to prove that your father is not Father God. You're going to do the work of your father, the devil, because you love and you practice a lie and you're going to try to murder me. Damn. Do you see how dangerous the lying spirit is? If we have perpetual lying tongue disease, it's a pretty good indicator of who our spiritual father is. Because we know that God cannot lie. <coughs> Titus 1-2 For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Matthew 12-34 We may need healing not only for common disease of lying, but we may also require a spiritual heart transplant. In closing, a checkup from the neck up. We have seen the seriousness and the serious ramifications of a diseased tongue. Now let's perform a quick checkup from the neck up and get some healing. Have you found yourself murmuring and complaining lately? Think about your words at work, home, or even at church for a moment. Have you spoken against your boss, wife, or pastor? Have you been caught up in lying to get out of a situation? Number one reason why people lie, fear of consequences. You remove the consequences, most often they'll tell the truth. Unless they just love and tell off a lie. Some people would rather tell the truth on credit. I mean, some people would rather lie on credit than tell the truth for free. You know why they're lying on credit? Because they're going to pay for it later. With interest. Wow. Possibly a situation your hasty words got you into now caused you to lie. Or maybe you've become a flatterer to get something you want. The Bible indicates that this type of talking will not only keep us in the same situation, but we may end up dying in it, never receiving the promises of God like the Israelites who were left the promises, but it wasn't mixed in faith and then they heard it. Therefore, they died in the wilderness, never getting into the promised land. Wow. Repent, turn 180 degrees and begin to confess God's promises over the situation instead of murmuring about the circumstances. It begins with a change of heart. Jesus told us that if we have tongue and mouth disease showing itself above the neck, it's because we have spiritual heart disease beneath the neck. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In effect, our tongue is a spiritual barometer God has given us to read the condition of our hearts. Our spiritual barometer is very accurate. Jesus said it this way, a tree is known by its fruit for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks if the tree is producing apples we don't call it a weeping willow we know by the tree's fruit that it's an apple tree and we don't call a weeping willow a pear tree because it doesn't have the fruit why because for a pear tree to be a pear tree it would have to have evidence of pears on its branches do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of, figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. In other words, the root type produces the fruit type. Christian. Bad root bad fruit. Good root, good fruit. Said another way, a disease of the tongue is really rooted in a disease of our spiritual state of our heart. 
for from within, Jesus said, out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these come from within and defile the man. If we want to receive healing from tongue and mouth disease, it begins with the healing of our heart. Three steps to healing. Step one, call your problem by its right name. Sin. I'm not a sin management specialist in the pulpit. I introduce you to the deliverer. Jesus never taught sin management. That's self-help. Jesus came to deliver us from our sin. At the root. Every plant that's not been planted by my Heavenly Father should be rooted up. We must come to a place where we realize it is sin. Be honest. Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 37. We must come to a place where we acknowledge that our problem is not caused by someone else, our circumstances, or a hot-tempered ethnic bloodline of some type. Well, I'm just hot-blooded. <laughs> and then you can put in your ethnicity because every ethnicity falls in line with that. <laughs> you ever notice that? You got that right, Dad. They, they, their ethnicity is the only one that's hot-blooded. No, it's a sin issue. You need a blood transfusion. You need the blood of Jesus. People use these and many other excuses for tongue and mouth disease. If it isn't in our hearts to begin with, Jesus said it can't come out of our mouth. <coughs> if it isn't in our heart to start with, Jesus said it can't come out of our mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. A brief story brings this point home. A man was asked the question, if you squeeze an orange, what do you get out of it? He quickly replied, orange juice, of course. The questioner responded, not necessarily. You get out of the orange what is in it. If it has a worm or if it has become rotten or soured and you squeeze it, that's what you get. True statement, when we are squeezed by life circumstances, our family or our work or our relationship squeeze us, us, whatever pops out of us is what was already in us to begin with. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. We shouldn't be angry with others when this happens. Instead, we should thank God that they revealed the disease condition of our hearts. Now we must take our heart to God for healing. Step two, confess your sin and receive cleansing and a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, A new heart will I also give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a new heart of flesh. John 1 9, 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins and bring him into the light, for he is in the light, then the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, do you want to know where it works? In the light, because God is light. Said another way, if we hide our sin, the blood doesn't work in our behalf mm -hmm. because it works in the light. Mm -hmm. He who confesses and forsakes his sin will be forgiven. And the blood of his son cleanses us. Zenobia, would you please come and play? Thank you so much. I just love that 
piano. What a sweet, sweet spirit. Pray together. If you're in agreement with this prayer as I pray it, go ahead and come into agreement in your heart. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, you can get a spiritual heart transplant and make sure that you shun hell and you go to heaven. And that's simply by saying, I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Lord, and I receive you into my heart. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and do it in my way. I break ties with the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I embrace the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You were buried in the tomb. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. My best thinking got me into this situation. And I acknowledge today that it's been stinking thinking. And I need the mind of Christ tonight. Come into my heart and make me new and begin to clean up my heart and my mind. In Jesus' name. So for us to get a spiritual cleansing in our hearts, we just simply say, Father, we acknowledge today that I need a healing from my tongue and mouth disease. I also acknowledge that the root of my problem is truly in my heart. It's not anyone else's fault that I act the way I do. I alone am responsible for the horrible things that come out of my mouth. It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I ask you to supernaturally cleanse me completely right now with the all-forgiving blood of your Son. Give me a new heart like you promised. By Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, please place a guard over my mouth and a double watch over my tongue so that I don't sin with my mouth in the future. I ask and thank You, Father in Heaven, and receive a change and a shift in me right now in the name of Jesus. And now I just speak right now, Father, that you would put a conviction by the Holy Ghost upon us that we would not be hasty 
in our speech, that we would not murmur and complain or yield to gossip out of our mouths or gossip with our ears or be drawn to that or to have idle or careless words, that we would not be flatterers or accusers. We would not lie. Lord, deliver us from the very desire, from the inside out. And we ask for a supernatural empowerment to begin to speak well of people, to speak blessings on people, to be intercessors instead of accusers, that we might be those that receive all the promises of God, that there wouldn't be a promise that's left for us, that we wouldn't pick up and run into the end zone with Christ and take the land of promise that's been provided for us. Show us, O oh Lord, the path of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, we call it done. Those in agreement said, Amen. And Amen. Tonight, if you want to sow, we have Bibles that we buy for prisoners. We do leather-bound Bibles. You can sow for room rent to help offset the costs. Um, you can sow into the ministry to help for CDs or to get the word out on internet, video, however we do it, on the platforms that we offer the Word of God for free. You can also donate online. And this has been another powerful teaching by David Harabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidharabedian.com.